Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Deba Douglas, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough. I'm so excited about our time together. As we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born and go all the way up to today with your life story, and then we can talk about anything that you're working on. And I know, looking into your background, the research I've done, I know you've got like 17 different things going on at one time. So we'll have an opportunity to talk about all that and then anything that you're working on for the future, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am super honored and so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I'm so I was I am I didn't sleep last night. So I don't know if you can tell. So so tell me where you were born. I was born in a small town in Nigeria called Benin City in Adobe. Nigeria. Okay. In Nigeria. Yes. Crazy. Did you grow up in Nigeria? Um, no, actually, I was I have four siblings total, and I was the only one that was born in Nigeria. My okay. other siblings, and I'm the middle child. So I lived in Nigeria for two years at the time. My parents actually came to Nigeria to visit family um, because they were already, you know, students in the United States. And they ended up coming to Nigeria. My mom got pregnant with me. And because of like travel and all these different things, they decided to stay there. And I was the only one that was born in Nigeria compared to all my other siblings. Wow. That's wild. So yeah. how how long did you live in Nigeria? I lived in Nigeria for two years before we decided to come back to the United States. Okay. And then when you came back to the United States, where did you live? We lived in Dallas, Texas. Oh, I love Dallas. Yes, yes. One of my favorite cities on some of my favorite cities on the planet. Do you know yes. where Mesquite, Texas is? What Mesquite, Texas? Yeah. Yes. I yeah. grew up in Garland, Texas, and I have like two or three rentals in Mesquite. Yeah. So I used to come down every summer when I was growing up. My aunt and uncle lived down there. And I came down every summer and spent a couple of weeks in Mesquite, Texas with them. Oh my gosh, that is such a small world. I it's used to tiny. growing up in high school, I ran track. And that was, we always ran track at one of the stadiums in Mesquite. Isn't that wild? It's amazing. Is- I always wanted to live in Dallas. So growing up, I was born in Oklahoma and raised in Oklahoma. And I always wanted to live in Dallas. That was like, if I could get to Dallas, then I'd have a real life, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you lived in Dallas. Did you live in Dallas your your whole childhood? Literally, yeah, we lived in Dallas and then we moved to the suburbs in Garland. And that's where we, you know, that's where my parents still live in Garland to this day. And I live not too far from Garland, maybe another 15, 20 minutes outside of Garland. Gotcha. So growing up in Garland, what was your favorite thing about growing up there? 
You know, I want to say the community, because growing up in a household that both parents are Nigerian, our culture and everything is totally different. But I will tell you, I had some of the most amazing teachers that even though they knew there was like a cultural difference with how we were raised compared to the culture at school, they definitely were accommodating and helping us kind of go through that transition of going from being Nigerian, now being Nigerian American and really understanding those traditions. So I love my teachers. They were above and beyond. I'm still really good friends with them. And I literally give them their praises. Like you guys are have been the ones that helped me become who I am. That's amazing. That's amazing how teachers can have such an amazing effect on your life. Yes. I mean, they, they just, they're so cool. Okay. Yeah. So where'd you go to high school? I went to Groen High School, the home of the Fighting Owls. There you go. Go <laughs> Owls. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you, so what was your favorite subject in, in high school? It was science. I had one of the best science teachers ever, and it was chemistry. And she would bring chemistry to life. Like there were some times that she would literally catch something on fire. And we were just so intrigued by, oh, my gosh, look at science become real. Yeah. That she actually, when I first graduated from high school and went to college, I wanted to be a chemical engineer because she gave us so much life in science. That's so cool. That's so cool. I love that. So you go to college. Where do you go to college? I went to Tarleton State, which is out in West Texas. I received a full track scholarship there, and it was a great opportunity for me. I was able to become a two-time All-American in track and field, and I also met my husband there. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. That's so cool. (laughs) So so you graduate. So what what did you get your degree in? So yes, like I mentioned, I first started, I was going to do chemical engineering. I thought I was going to do it. And then I took my first physics class and I was like, I do not want to do this. (laughs) Nursing. And I was like, okay, I can do nursing. This is going to be great. And it was like two semesters in and we were at this point going to the hospitals and doing different things with patients. And I had one patient that I had to do something with them. And I was like, this is not for me. Like, I don't want to see blood. I don't want to see all this. Like it makes me weak to my stomach. And so I was like, I can't do nursing either. And my heart was always in education. And so I remember going to like, I think it was like the advisory center where you can take a lot of tests to figure out what do you really want to do? Mm -hmm. And everything kept going back to helping people, teaching people. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump and I'm going to do education. And so I graduated with an education degree in kinesiology. Awesome. I love it. That's so cool. So you graduate from college. Then where do you go? Then I got my first teaching job in DeSoto, which is about 45 minutes away from Garland. So I was moved back home and I was just, you know, commuting back and forth from DeSoto. Mm-hmm. I was a teacher and a coach and I taught um, health and PE and I also coached volleyball and basketball and track. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yes. And I really wow. enjoyed it. It was amazing time to be with kids and really grow with kids. And eventually I, you know, I spent about three years in DeSoto and then I moved over to go back to my home to Garland ISD. So you just, you were, you were itching to get back. I was itching to get back and it was such a great opportunity because I was able to go back to Garland high school where it all started for me. So I was able to not only 
impact kids and realize like I was once that kid. So it was even more like a beautiful blessing and to be able to work and coach alongside coaches that were impacting my life. Don't you love when life comes full circle? Oh yeah. It was I mean, that is so cool. Work all that, out. that is so cool. Let me ask you this. Who was the most influential person to you growing up? My mother. Okay. Because I saw so many ways that life could have took her a different downturn, but she continued to stay steadfast. She continued to pray, read her Bible, and continue to trust God. Oh. Um, my parents were entrepreneurs. They had their own commercial janitorial business. Mm -hmm. And I remember this moment like it was yesterday when they had a big contract and that contract released them. And mm -hmm. that was literally our entire way of making ends meet. That was the only job they had. And I remember my mom, it was like maybe a Friday night. She was crying about it. And my, my dad was upset. And then I remember on Sunday, she brought all the kids together, all four of us, and said, you know what, guys? We don't really have income coming in right now, but we're going to mm -hmm. be okay. What I loved about that moment is that we were kids, and I may have been eight, nine years old. Yeah. Most parents don't kind of let kids know about the yeah. financial side and things like that. Yeah. Looking back on it, it was a big burden on me because I'm like, oh my gosh, how are we going to make ends meet? I don't want to ask my parents for anything. But being able to see my parents push through. And at that moment, it was, I saw my mom change her career. And she was like, you know what? We were doing commercial janitorial business. I'm going to shift over and do house cleaning business. And wow. literally in that moment, she started her own house cleaning business that has now grown to over a hundred plus houses that she cleans for now wow. and employees in place. And she started from nothing. And literally, I think at that time, if you're in the Dallas area, you know everything about the green sheet. That's mm -hmm. how she was advertising her business was on the green sheet. I think she was spending maybe $100 a week advertising and the phone never stopped ringing. Oh. And just to see her push through. And I remember there were times that like we were home for Christmas break or Thanksgiving break while my other friends were out hanging out. We were there helping my mom clean houses. Yeah. I remember going to these areas and nice neighborhoods. And I'm like, one day I'm going to have a house like this. One day I'm going to be able to do that. But it was just so great to see how my mom saw that could have been, you know, her quitting, not having that contract anymore. She could have just said, you know what, forget it, guys. We're going to all go back to Nigeria. But she was mm -hmm. like, no, I want to bring all my kids in. I want to see and show them how you overcome life's challenges. Yeah. Well, you know, that had to have been hard for her. Having that conversation, I, I'm a parent, right? I, one of my one of my big things is being my kid's dad. Yeah. Literally, it's my part of my identity, right? Right. And one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life, they're now 23 and 25. Sitting down with your kids and letting your kids know that something like this has happened has got to be one of the most gut-wrenching things you've ever done in your life. But it's also the most valuable. Yes. Because one of the things that we talk about, and I know you've listened to the podcast, but one of the things we talk about is buy-in. Yes. Right? And a big part of buy-in is because here's the thing. We're never going to live a balanced life. It's never going to happen. Okay. No. We're always going to be out of balance. We're going to have, you know, and it's usually never... We're, that we have way too much leisure time and we're doing right. It's the other way, right? right? Working right. too much and we have way too little. But the thing is, if children know 
what you're doing. If children have buy-in, then instead of the child thinking that you're neglecting them, the child knows dad's out there earning a living. Dad's out there putting food on the table, right? It's a completely different deal. I mean, it's opposite, okay? Absolutely. And like you said, you take those lessons with you as a child. And now as an adult, it's a way for you to continue to succeed. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I mean, that was a that was an incredibly valuable experience for you and probably one of the most difficult conversations she's ever had with you guys. Yes, absolutely. I mean, how amazing, right? Yes. Yes. At the time I was like, oh my God, this is such a heavy burden. I'm at school thinking we don't have any money. But because of that moment, whenever I'm in a place that I'm like, I deserve more or I should be doing more, there's more expected from me. I feel comfortable making a change and transforming where I'm at. It changes your perspective. It changes changes your perspective. And she's your role model. Yes. Right. And you can go back and look at how she pivoted. Go back and look at how she came to you guys and said, look, this is what's going on. It's all hands on deck, right? We're going to get through this. We trust in God. We're going to get through this and on our way, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's just awesome. What an amazing story. I love that. Okay. So go forward with me. So you're at Garland High School, right? Yes. How old were you at Garland High School? I was at Garland High School for about six years. During okay. that time, I was um, I moved up to become the head volleyball coach at the time and also the assistant track coach. We were able to go to the playoffs several years, and I was actually able to take a lot of my sprinters to the state meet and actually win state while we were there. Wow. So it was a great opportunity. At that time, we had just got married, and during that time I was there at Garland High School, I had my first son. During that time, my husband was also a coach with me at Garland High School. Okay. And then when we had our son, it was like, oh my gosh, all hands on deck. It's like my sister helping me pick up my son, my parents helping me pick up my son. And then it really got to the point that we just kind of, my husband and I looked at ourselves and we said, what are we doing? Like we're spending so much time going and coaching and doing all these other things. And we're not present in my son, in our son's life. And so during that time, I was like, okay, well, it may be time for me to transition and go into administration thinking, well, I'll get a little bit more time. I'll make a little bit more money. And so I went into administration and I ended up getting a assistant principal job in Plano ISD, which is, you know, a really nice neighborhood, nice area, very sought after school district. I enjoyed my my time there. I was there for about six years. I was at the um, high school for a couple of years, and then I moved over to the middle school for a couple of years. But there was always something inside of me that wanted more, that kept saying, like, I should be doing more. And it just so happened one random summer that we were off as an administrator. You're only off for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to go into our office that day, and I found a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Rich uh, Robert. I love Robert. Oh my gosh. I read that book literally within like a day and a half. I had finished that book from cover to cover. And I was like, these are the things that's in my head that I was having struggles to articulate them. Right. And I immediately told my husband, we've been doing this all wrong. Like the American dream tells you to go to school, get a good job, get great benefits. Mm -hmm. And once you get these great benefits, you, you know, you work, you work, and then you retire. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Like, who yeah. wants to do that? Like, yeah. I can't go on trips that I really want to do because I can't afford it. Right. I only get paid once a month. And by the end of the month, I'm struggling to make it to make ends meet. Right. And I'm reading that book and I'm like, real estate, like real estate. I should do something in real estate. I had no idea what I was going to do in real estate. And in those moments, I immediately started diving into YouTube University. I started following all these different people on Facebook at the time. And I started jumping into like different Facebook groups that all they talked about was real estate. Mm -hmm. I got my husband on board. I'm like, we're stopping every extracurricular thing that we were doing and we are going to save our money and we're going to put it into real estate because one day I want us to live life on our own terms in our own dreams, but we have to take sacrifices today. Right. Right. And so cool. I'm listening to my husband's like, okay, here she goes on this new little tangent. Let's see. <laughs> and is he along for the ride? He's like, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> you want to do it? Let's do it. And I think it was more or less like he's just sitting there watching me on the sideline, like, okay, let's see how long this is going to last. Probably making a bet within himself. Like, yeah. I gave it about two months, but yeah. I stood fast on it. I was like, we're not going on trips. We're not doing all these things. Because on the, you know, on on the outside looking in, a lot of people felt like we had the perfect jobs, the perfect yeah. house, the perfect, we had everything that everybody wanted yeah. and we were struggling and we couldn't tell anybody like, we don't have enough money. Like there's not enough money at the end of every month. Yeah. And then just taking ownership and the biggest thing was having to reflect and look yeah. at your bills, and look at your finances and say, we're not where we want to be, but I'm okay so let's take some steps and make the right steps. So here's a question for you. What was poor dad? What did poor dad do for a living? He was in education. Yes, he was. He was an yeah. educator. That kind of yeah. stuff's got to be ringing at you, right? All of a sudden Absolutely. you're going, what? And, then, and I'm reading, I'm like, that's how I think. Yeah. That's how I literally and think. And he was highly accomplished too, right? Poor I dad was highly accomplished. Yes. He was the top educator in Hawaii, yes. right? Yes. And look at what, right? It's like, yeah, that had yeah. to have just, that had to have just gotten somewhere close, right? It hit, Where you're just like, it, it yeah. hit a nerve. And yeah. I was like, I cannot shake this off. Yeah. And then it's like, you realize I'm going to work with these people and I'm, you know, these people have been working here for 30 plus years. I don't want to be here in 30 plus years. Right. I have a really good friend of mine. She's probably going to hate me for saying this that we go on trips every summer together and she's in education in Austin and she has a bucket of marbles that at the beginning of every year, she moves one marble from one bucket to the next bucket that reflects how many more years she has in education. And I'm like, I just want to pull my eyes out. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? Like I cannot let life pass me by because I'm waiting to retire and then right. live. Right. No, no. Wow, that is so, oh my gosh, what an amazing story. Okay, and, and you know, I am i don't know how many times I've read about Think You Grow Rich, but there are so many people in my world that are in the world that we're in. They're in real estate yeah. and investing and all that, that read that book. And yeah. it completely changed their life. And, you know, um, thank God for for Robert Kiyosaki. I'm, that's all. I, you know, if you ever get a chance, have you read The Cashflow Quadrant? Oh, absolutely. My husband okay. got me that for 
the next Christmas, like the year later, that Christmas. That's a good husband. And I literally reference that book at all times. Like there's like highlights, everything on there because I'm like, okay, at one point I was an employer. Now I'm transitioning right. to an entrepreneur, but right. now I'm really trying to move over to the business. Right. Level. Right. And then at I the same want, time, I, I got want heroes. this quadrant, right? Yes. You're like, this is where I'm headed. Yeah. My way. No, Get sorry. out of my way. <laughs> I feel like that's like my textbook. Like that's right. my reference of, okay, this is where we're needing to go. So let's make yeah. some changes. So I read right. the cash flow quadrant and it made me open a Keller Williams office. Wow. And I owned it for 18 years. Wow. Started a mortgage right. company, the whole thing. And that was an incredible, absolutely incredible run. And I learned right. a ton. Right. Yes. Uh, but that came from cash flow quadrant. I literally read that and that made my decision wow. to, start that, to start that office. Wow. That is crazy. I, mean, I believe it. I totally believe it because yeah. it just opens up your eyes to another world that no one teaches that to you in educate. They don't teach you that in school. And then growing up in a household where my parents are like, not really sure the American way and it's you're just crossed in between yeah. and my parents are entrepreneurs and I felt like they became entrepreneurs because they had to be yeah. and I had like a negative connotation of entrepreneurs it's so sad because I I used to tell my husband I just want to go to work get good benefits and come home and watch tv at seven o'clock because yeah. I never had that I never had that luxury with my parents because they were yeah. entrepreneurs but deep down inside, I needed to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's actually a great point. You know, I my children, I told you, are 23 and 25, and they grew up. We ran that Keller Williams office out yeah. of my house. I had a home office, right? Right. So when, when you know what hit the fan, where did the deal land? Exactly. The owner's the owner broker's desk, right? Right. So now I'm now I'm dealing with all the stuff that you don't want to talk about and exactly. you don't want to see. Yes. Right. At home. And so they grew up having this not so positive impression of real estate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when they were growing up, they're like, dad, we don't want to have anything to do with real estate. You know, my daughter is now working for me. Wow. My son is getting ready to come down here to work for work for me. And what's amazing is I take my son. He's a senior in college. And I, we went up there because my mother had his Nana, my mother had had a conversation with him. And she said, he sounds homesick. Oh. Now he had gotten a, um, he had gotten a summer internship the summer of between his junior and senior year. And then also the summer after his senior year, cause he was up there for four and a half years. He had picked up a minor in biomedical engineering. Got and it. so he was there an extra six months. So he had picked up an internship for that summer. So he wasn't going to be able to come home. And she thought it sounded like he was homesick. And I'm like, well, then we're bringing home to him. So we packed up the baby, our 20, you know, who's now 23, right? Packed up the baby, my wife and I, and we went to, to Lincoln, Nebraska, where he wow. was going to school. And so we hung out with him. We completely overstayed our welcome, harassed him like there's no tomorrow, right? And he was completely sick of us by this point. But the girls wanted to sleep in on a Thursday morning. I said, hey, let's you and me together just us let's go to breakfast i'll take you to your favorite breakfast place which happened to be of course crepes because this kid grew up on crepes i don't know oh. we, so we go to this crepe place right and i sat down with him and i said let me ask you a question if there were no restrictions money was not an object no restrictions no nothing what would you do for a living because he's literally getting ready to graduate with a mechanical right. engineering degree and a minor in biomedical engineering and all this, right? 
I said, what would you do for a living? He said, I would invest in real estate with you. Wow. I'm not joking. And wow. I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. You oh, my God. I was I, I, really, are you really? And he goes, dad, he goes, you don't understand how magnetic you are when you talk about real estate investing. Yeah. He goes, I don't think there's anybody on the planet with a pulse that wouldn't want to work with you in, in, in real wow. estate investing. Wow. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. They grew up thinking they were not going to be involved in this industry. Right. Pretty soon, both of them are going to be involved. It's so crazy. Like, it's kind of one of those things, but things you run away from is what God is calling you back to. Isn't that wild? That's so wild. And sometimes it takes other people to see it. Cause I was in that same role. I was like, I just want a regular job. I don't want an entrepreneur. My husband used to always tell me like, you are a natural entrepreneur. Like you just know when to just step in, get stuff done, move on. And then you're on to the next thing. Like you just know how to do it. Your parents taught you, you grew up watching this happen, right? Yes. As a kid, you watch what entrepreneurs go through. Yes. Think, okay, there's a better way. Yeah. All I want is this. Right. right. Then you pick up that book and you're like, wait a minute, I'm doing this all wrong. My parents yeah. did it right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Just absolutely yeah. wild. This is so cool. I love this. Okay. So you pick up the book, you decide that you're going to make this change. Tell us about how that happens. Yeah. So I pick up the book, I'm trying to make this change. And it takes me like three years to really yeah. make this change. And during this time, we're saving money and we're listening to podcasts. And it's literally like my husband, when he's off to work, I'm off to work. We're listening to the same podcast. And then late at night, we're discussing the podcast to really just dive into it. Then we start making financial decisions and then we save $50,000 and we're like, okay, let's go find this property. Mm -hmm. So we go out because at that time we didn't know any other way, but call a lender and say, Hey, we want to buy an investment property. They're like, Oh yeah, you qualify. Let's do it. But I need Mm -hmm. 25%. Okay. We have that. So then we, we buy the first rental property that is a duplex for like $129,000 in -hmm. 2017. And it's an hour away from our house because we were just chasing the money and thinking, Oh, this is cheap. We can make it work. Mm-hmm. And literally the day that we closed on the property, the tenants call us because we inherited horrible tenants, but Hey, that's a whole nother story. Right. And they call us and say, well, this is broken. This is broken. And this is broken. My husband and I both look at each other like, what the heck do we do now? Like, what right. do we do? Like, how we're do capped. we do that? Yeah. We're capped. we're capped. Yeah. Like we're barely cash, cash flowing, maybe, maybe four or $500 on both together for those duplexes. Right. And we were like, let's get a property management because I'm still working. He's still working. Let's just get right. a property management. They'll handle the day-to-day. So we get a property management company. They're okay. I'm learning from them, learning what to do and what not to do in that time. And I'm trying to like let them run things and do things. And it got to a point where one of the tenants, she had a job with a pole late at night. And that was her way of making income. Mm-hmm. But she would never have the money to pay rent on time. So there were many moments that the property management couldn't get a hold of her, that I would drive an hour after work to all the way across town and pick up money that was in a Ziploc bag. And it was a ton of ones. And I would come in the house and tell my kids, do not touch this money. Do not touch this money. And then I would give it to my husband and say, I need you to go to the bank and deposit because I don't want the bankers thinking this is what I do to make my income. So you do that. (laughs) I love this. What a crack up. 
And he I don't want them getting the wrong idea. Yeah, I don't want them thinking this is how we make our income. Right. Just go and whatever they think of you, they're gonna be like, oh, well, let yeah, me. they're never, they're never gonna yeah. imagine that you're doing this. They're right? never gonna yeah. imagine it was you. <laughs> like I'm like, you go do that. And so we got to the point that you know we started saying, okay, well, how are people able to buy multiple properties in one year? Yeah. If we literally gave all of our savings and it's stuck in that account, it's going to be stuck with that property for mm -hmm. almost five to 10 years until we can build enough equity equity to do a cash out refinance. Right. So then we're listening to bigger pockets and we're like, okay, let's do the bird. Mm -hmm. We literally rewinded over and over, breaking down the bird at least 30,000 times. I kid you yeah. not. We would write it down and then we would do research on that aspect of it. Now, and now let's, it let's do this because there are going to be, we're in 24 countries now. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's stop for just a second. You and I know what Burr is. Yes. Okay? And it's not being out in the cold. Okay? No. So really quickly, just explain for people that are listening that may not be in this business. What's Burr? Yes. So Burr is you buy a distressed property. Right. You rehab that property to put right. your own sweat equity in it, and then you rent out the property, right. and then you re then you refinance the property right. because now you have a new value, right. and then you repeat and you do it over and over and over again, right. and now you have cash flow properties. Right. So let's talk about that for just a second because you know a lot of people that are listening to this have never done this. Okay. So you buy a piece of real estate. Yes. You you re, you re, rehabilitate, remodel it, right? You repair mm -hmm. it, you remodel it. You turn around and you rent it out. So you, when you when you buy it, you repair and remodel it. It now can generate more income. Yes. Right. And rental real estate is not not every single piece of rental real estate is this way, but a lot of them, the value comes from the income. Exactly. So. So you remodel it and repair it, right? You make it nicer than just about anything else out there. Yes. You rent it out for elevated rents. Yes. Right? Then you go out and you refinance it. You're refinancing it because you've now inherently built the value up, okay? Yes. You're paying off your, your note. You're paying off your, your purchase money note, right? Plus any remodel debt that you have, yes. okay? And after you're done with that, Generally speaking, you have some money that you're putting back in your in your pocket, and then you're off doing that again. So you yeah. get your you get your down back, plus you get a little bit of of equity from the right from the refinance, yeah. and that gives you what you need to then go out and do it again. So that's the repeat part, right? Yes. Is that yes? Okay. Yes. So I just want people to understand what we're talking about because you know when when. You know, you know what I mean, right? Yes. You, I, you and I can do the jargon thing all day long, but yes. I just want to make sure that people that haven't ever done this before, because there are going to be people that are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be inspired to read, yes. to read Rich Dad Poor Dad, to read Cash Flow Quadrant, right? And they're going to be inspired to 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 want to be just like you. I want to be just like you when I grow up, right? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry. And so. <laughs> We learn how to do that. We yeah. do our first property. And so you did I, that with the duplex? No, we didn't do it with the duplex. The duplex, we just bought it straight up 25% down. And right. so we, then we found another property that was in Fort Worth, another hour and a half drive from our home, because oh that's goodness. where, that, to me, that's where the numbers make sense. Yeah. We buy this property for $65,000. I found it on the MLS. 
I called literally the agent. I just called, I think I was using Zillow or Redfin and I just called that agent. And I was like, hey, do you do investments? And they're like, sure. I probably should have did more research on that, but I didn't. <laughs> it all comes back. It all yeah, comes just, back. Just for the people that are taking notes, do more research than that. Do yeah. more research. Right. Ask more questions and go with right. your gift. Then she finds us that we find this property. We write an offer for $65,000. Again, I go to my conventional loan and I'm like, hey, I'm trying to do this bird process. They're like, sure, you can do it. No, you can't do it with a conventional loan. Right. But anyways, hey, my realtor didn't know. Neither did I. We're, we're just going based on what we learned. Live and learn. And we go through this process. And towards the very end, when the appraiser goes out, they're like, this house is not livable. Like, we cannot loan money on this house. You're going to have to fix this house first. And then we can come back and loan money. So my realtor goes, okay, I have an idea. We're going to go back to the sellers and ask the seller if we can prolong the closing for 60, 90 days so you can rehab it. I'm like, well, she said to do it. She's an expert. Let's do it. I rehab the house that I did not own. Oh, my gosh. Don't ever, ever. Don't ever do ever that. Do oh, that. my goodness. I put my own money. I didn't have a hard money lender. Yeah. I had no extra loans. Right. We put in our own cash of $40,000 to rehab this house. Yeah, don't ever do that. Yeah. Don't ever. Hindsight looking at it, why? Why? Yeah. But again, hey, then we come back. We go back and get the loan. Thank God. Because anything could have happened where they're like, oh, the seller's like, we're just going to keep the house. Like, everything yeah. did. Like, Thanks and so you much. Would get that money back. Right. So we were able to close on the house. They closed on it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do a cash out refinance. They're like, oh no, you got to wait six months. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, whatever. Again, right. I go back to the realtor and she's like, it don't worry. It's going to appraise for like 130,000 in six months. I literally had a countdown on my desk because at that time I was still working. When those six months are up, I'm going to do this cash out refinance. So we have a tenant in place during these six months. So we're making a decent amount of money. But I'm like, in order to finish this, I got to do this cash out refinance. Yeah. So I'm still in communication with this agent because she's still showing us new properties. Right. We get the house appraised. It appraised for $103,000. i am like, what happened to the hundred and thirty dollars that you right. promised me that I was going to make? Right. We needed this. Another tip. Go with your gut. Go and pull the comps yourself. Yeah. Look at the data. Don't let anyone tell you what it's going to be. And be conservative. Be conservative. Because that appraiser, right? So you can give, and you know this, and this is for people that don't know. Yes. An appraisal is an opinion of value. Yes. Okay? Yes. You can give 10 different appraisers the same property and you're going to get 10 different values because they bring their frame of reference from their yeah. past. Yes. And what they value and don't value, they Absolutely. bring that to the appraisal. They do. They okay? do. They and I'm do. not saying that they're inaccurate and I'm not saying appraisers aren't amazing and all that because they are, but you need to understand what you're dealing with. You need to understand yeah. the, 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 um, you need to understand the, the uh, what am I trying to say? You need to understand the field. You need to understand, you know, what you're dealing with here. Yes. So. It's very subjective. So it's one of those, you just have to read between the lines of the numbers of what you're looking for, the comps. And so I'm calling the agent. I'm like, Hey, it appraised, it appraised. You said it was going to appraise at one 30. Where are you? Complete crickets. I never heard from her again. Yeah. 
So in that moment, while I'm like, what is going on? I have lost so much money. My husband, he believed in me. And now like, I got to come back to tell him this is not working. And that's a hard conversation. That's a very hard conversation that we didn't have a lot of money to start with. Like it's, we, if we spent three years saving this money right. and to now say, because of that appraiser, all that money is stuck. Mm -hmm. So I go to my husband, he's like, that's okay. We don't need the money today. We're cash flowing. Let's just deal with it. And then in a couple more years, we will definitely get the equity. That's another tip of having a spouse that he may not be fully understanding what's going on, but he fully trusts you. And well, I have to my husband for that. You had buy-in. Yes. That's the key. So the key yeah. to this is he was on board with what you were doing, just like what your mom did. Yes. Right? That's the smartest thing you did. The yes. smartest thing you did was sit down with him and have him listen to the same podcast you're listening to, read, think, and grow rich, yes. all that. Okay. That's what couples don't do. Yes. And then one comes to the other one and the other one resents that one, right? Yes. That's how resentment gets built. Absolutely. And so, and you, and you, you know, resentment gets built with children too. So that's why you have buy-in conversations with the kids and you have buy-in conversations with the spouse and you, and I would submit to you with your other, the rest of your family, right? Because they're yeah. going to be helping with, with childcare and all this other stuff. Right. Everybody has to be on board. Everybody, Everybody. has to understand what it is that you're doing and they need to embrace it. Yes, abs absolutely. And during that time, I was like, let's go. We're just going to figure it out and move on. And in that moment, I was like, I never really thought about being a realtor at that moment until then. Yeah. And I said, I know how to be nice to people. And I know how to tell people the truth. And I know how to be transparent. And I know how to take care of people. Yeah. So in that moment, I'm, like, I'm going to become a realtor because then I'll get access to the MLS and I will yeah. figure it out. And during that time, I really was not happy with my job. At that time, I already had two children. I really wasn't home with them. My job became a very toxic and it, you know, the, just the different politics with education can definitely wear and tear on you. Yeah. And so my husband and I came up with the goal. We're going to save enough money that I can eventually walk away. During that time, I started serving more in my church and just saying, God, if this is what you want me to do, you've got to open up these doors. Like I'm trusting you relentlessly. Right. I remember having a post-it on my desk and I'm like, I'm going to trust God, even though I don't understand. So I continued to look at that every day on my desk until I decided in October of 2018, I'm going to walk away from education. Yeah. I was over it. My dad had just had a stroke at that time. And I remember him being in the hospital and he's just like, go after your dreams. You don't want to be like me and I'm stuck. I can't do anything that I said I wanted to do now. Yeah. Go after it. Education yeah. will be there. They're going to love you now and they're going to love you later if you got to go back, but at least go after it. Yeah. And I think I needed that, that just that a, a permission to just say, go do it. And then I, my husband was already saying, go, go, go and go. And I did it in October. Well, this, is, this is you trusting God, but this is also God working his magic. Right. Yes. So, so I'm truly believing we talked about this on the podcast before you probably heard this, but people, we go through the things we go through because God's preparing us. Absolutely. Okay. And if you look closely enough, you have to put the effort in, but if you look closely enough, you can find something positive about anything that happens that's negative, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Instead of blaming God for your dad get, having a stroke, right? Yeah. He's literally preparing you for this is where you need to go. Yes. Right. And it's kind of that swift kick in the took us kind of thing, right? Yes. That's God's way of doing it. And to your credit, 
you saw it the right way. So did your dad. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me, by the way, you were, you were raised by some world-class parents. Yeah. I I mean, I definitely give them so much credit and I'm like, everything I've been able to do is because they instilled that in me of like, Hey, stuff happens, find another way. Let's figure this out. And so at that moment, I literally quit my job on a Friday. I told them I'm not coming back. Here's my resignation letter. You don't do that in education. You just don't. And I'm the principal. You don't do that. Right. And so they call me back like, what a devil, what are you going to do? Like, we need to know, what are we going to tell the staff? I've never walked away from anything. And I said, just read my resignation letter. I'm completely done. God is calling me for something else. I don't know what I'm going to do on this other end. And I'm just going to step in and do it. The week later, I took my real estate license test. I passed it. And in that first year, 2018, I sold over 40 houses and didn't even know what the heck I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And it was great. And then during those 40 houses that I was selling and helping people, inspiring people to be homeowners and saying, this is how you change the trajectory in your life. This is how you gain wealth. I was buying my own properties. We bought 10 properties that one year that we turned into rental properties and just went through the burr over and over. I didn't even know any contractors, but I was like resourceful. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to be at Home Depot at 6 a.m. and I'm going to talk to everybody. Any any good feeling I got from some person, I'm going to go with it. Now that hurt me a little bit, but I've learned a lot through that entire process. You got to go through the process. You got to go. You know, you're going to stumble. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to trip, right? All those things are going to happen, right? Yeah. You just you got to get through the process because until you get a contractor and you get the contractor out there, you know this, yeah. until you get see their work and see how they treat you and see how they treat yeah. everybody else and see the end product, right? You don't know. You don't now know. you have people because you're now at the on the other end of this, now you have people that you wouldn't give up for all the money in the world. Exactly. Right? Right. And so I hope if you haven't already, I hope you start a construction business. I'm working on that. I'm in the works with that right That's now. That's the next step for yeah. you. Because I read everything, right? Just being your coach for a yeah. second. <laughs> right? I read everything about you. You absolutely need to take your favorite contractor, go sit with them and start a business. Yes. Absolutely. That's your next step. Yes. yes. Okay. Absolutely. Because the money you're spending is going out the door and not coming back. Yes. Now what you need to do is is take that, right? Take that and, and use that to then generate income that comes back to you because part of that profit needs to be back with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the beautiful thing that I did was the same moment my mom told me, Hey, we're making a shift. We lost the contract. I'm going to do this. I did the same thing. And I posted on social media throughout my entire transition of, I was in education. I decided to go into real estate. I'm posting about doing rentals. And I just wanted to do rentals. I was like, I'll just do rental properties, make a little extra money to cover some of the bills in our household. But my goal is to chase these properties. Like I need to get into real estate and get my, build my portfolio. So we're doing that. And then all of a sudden I get calls from this person and calls from that person. And the, the first thing I did, I hired someone to help me with paperwork. I know how to love on people, but I don't really care about the paperwork. I just want to make sure it's done. Yeah, so I'm not a great word person. You, no. And I was like, I'll just hire somebody. I will pay you exceptionally well, but I don't want to touch the paperwork. And it better right. be done correctly. Take it. Yeah. And that was the best step I did because I was right. able to do 42 houses without a team. 
And I was able to be at every closing, be at every inspection and really grow and help people, which in turn the next year doubled my business. And then I created a team. And I'm like, I didn't even want this to all be set up. And God just has a beautiful way of taking the things that you thought you lost and he restores it with more, with interest. And you're just like, I just want to help so many more people. So you're working on a book. Yes, I'm working on a book. I, during that whole transition, I'm sharing people, you know, helping as many people. And then I created a course called the Roadmap to Real Estate Investing. Beautiful. Of course, I teach people how to become investors. And not only do I give them the information, my team holds their hand through the entire process. We give them contractors, we give them lenders. So at the end of the day, we also list their properties for them and they make the maximum profit at the end. And so because I've been able to do that and been very successful with my course, I'm like, some people can't afford the course, but they still need this information. So I decided to create the book where I don't care how much money you have. You have $13 to buy this book. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the very early stages of editing the book because knowledge is power. Just the same knowledge of going to going to college, going to school. You need this knowledge to be to get into real estate. Well, the best part about this is people that read this book are learning from your mistakes. Yes. Right. That's worth way more than thirteen dollars. Let's be honest. Okay. Okay. So when's so what's the name of the book? The Roadmap to Real Estate Investing. And when's it going to be finished? It should be finished probably the next quarter. So I'm thinking about June or July, that book should be ready and ready to be published and released. Okay. So when it's, when it's ready, we're going to have you come back on. Awesome. I would love that. And we'll talk about the book. We'll go through each chapter. We'll talk about everything that we're, that you're doing. Right. And we'll get it. We'll promote the book, but we can also talk about the lessons that you've learned and the different things that are in the book that, that, you go through. Absolutely. Yes. I cannot wait. Thank you so much. That's so cool. I'm so excited for you and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I really am. I mean, I hope you go and hug and kiss your parents. Okay. Because really this all started with them, Mm -hmm. right? It started with the way you were raised. Yes. And you getting, and them and your mother, oh my goodness, your mother, right? What a saint comes to you and sits down with you guys and says, Hey, Here's what's going on. We got to pivot. Okay. That taught you more about entrepreneurship than anything that you've done. I'm not joking because you, if you look at your life, look at your life. We now have your life story on tape. Every single time that you came up with something like what your parents dealt with. Yes. You pivoted. You pivoted. You are living the life you're living right now because of the lessons you learned from your mom and from your dad. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there, it's, it's unbelievable to see, and I tell them, I don't think words can even express, I appreciate everything that you guys did. I appreciate everything you kind of taught us and you guided us, even with things that you didn't even know, yeah. but you still showed us the way. And one thing they showed us is that I don't care if a storm is coming, you're going to go through it and you're going to be stronger on the other side. Yeah. So a lot of people deal with storms and they go through anxiety and they go through depression. We just say we're. it's just part of doing business. It's a part of just the life we're living and just change the perspective of how you deal with whatever storms you're facing. I love it. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so unbelievably honored that we got to spend this time together. 
Thank you so much. It was so great to meet you. I can't wait to have you back. Now, yeah. do me a favor. I need a link so people can reach you because I guarantee you there are going to be people on this that listen to this podcast that are going to want to reach you. Will you send me a link to, to your website? Absolutely. I will send and it to you. And then what we'll do, just email it to me. And then what we'll do is we'll put it in your description so people can reach Beautiful. out to you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. Thank you. Thank you. This was, that was a fast hour. That was. That went by so <laughs> quick. Wow. You're amazing. Thanks again. Thank you. You have a good rest of your day. You too. I appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.